0: Hello, and welcome to Down to Sally's Cove, a collection of stories about Newfoundland and Labrador by the late Elle Emanuel and read by me, Anthony Berger. I'm the editor of my mother's writings about the history and rich culture of the places and people she knew and loved. Many of these stories she read on local and national radio in the 1940s to 1970s. Growing up in Lewisport, in northeastern Newfoundland, Ella Manuel acquired a love of fishing that stayed with her for the rest of her life. In this story, she tells of days on the rivers of western Newfoundland and of her encounters with men who could not accept the idea of a woman fishing expertly. On the Lomond River she glories in the thrill of fly-fishing and first hears about the remarkable Emma Tapper, who was completely at home on any river, Here is No Place for a Woman. Just about dusk one evening in late August, two men in fishing clothes sat next to me in the coffee room of a Newfoundland inn. They had been fishing and were rounding off the day discussing their luck. Now I like to fish, and I like listening to fishing talk, so I deliberately eavesdropped. I've been fishing the Loman River, said one, and I had a queer experience in Simpson's pool. "'I had fished hard two hours or more and hadn't even seen a salmon. "'And just as I was going to pull out, I saw someone coming down the trail. "'I waited long enough for him to rig his rod and wade out just above me. "'Would you believe me? It was a woman.' "'She cast two or three times and hooked a good-sized fish. "'And when she'd landed it, I went up to her and said, "'I've been fishing this pool for hours and haven't even seen a fish.' "'She just shrugged her shoulders.' Oh, there's plenty of salmon in this pool, if you know where to look for them. Well, I'll be darned, said his companion. Do you know who she was? No idea. She just picked up her rod and fish and moved off. Well, I wondered who she was, too. Whenever I met an acquaintance who fished the lowman, I would ask, hopefully, do you know of any women who fish the river? And they all told me they hadn't seen such a phenomenon. Later, I discovered the mystery woman was Emma Tapper, who could cast a long line before she could read and write. After school, she used to walk five miles to the river and five miles back just to get an hour's fishing. Over the years, she became my close friend and fishing companion. In a country where women's accepted place is in the home, the idea of a woman knowing anything about catching salmon was intriguing. I didn't know about male chauvinism in those days, but I soon learned. One of the most maddening statements I've ever heard was that women are not and never can be born fishermen. They learn to love it only through some man if he happens to love fishing. Now that statement came from the pen of a venerable fly fisherman in England. All I can say is he ought to come over here. One time I was on Portland Creek, a river far north in Newfoundland, unfrequented by any but the most ardent angler. This particular day I was doing quite well for myself, all alone and minding my own business, in a pool down by the tidal waters. Then along came an angler whom I knew, and whom, up to that moment, I had respected. "'Hey, have a look at that fast water out there between the boulders,' he commanded. I had a look. Think you can wade out there he asked Sure I said but why should I I'm satisfied here unless maybe you want fish this pool I was leaning over backwards to be generous and show good fishing manners Well it, well it's not that he replied but I've been looking at that water for 2 days now and I'm pretty sure there's fish in it Well why don't you try I asked He said that the local guides had told him that nobody but nobody ever fished there. Salmon never lay in that pool. Well, I'd look pretty silly fishing there after what they said, he continued. But if you went out and tried, nobody would think anything of it. They wouldn't expect anything else from a woman. I was for a moment frozen by his cynicism, and then I got mad. I waded out into the fast water. I didn't even take a good look at the pool. I just cast my line, once, twice, and the third time, just on the retrieve, I saw a fat salmon come up with a whirl and take my fly. Still too angry to have room for excitement, I went about calmly playing the fish, and then I brought him into the beach and laid him at the angler's feet. Here's your salmon, I told him. And would you believe it? He went around telling everyone that I had taken a salmon out of a pool where nobody else had ever caught one, but only because he told me to fish there. Even long afterwards, guides on that river would say to a new angler, Oh yes, Ella caught the first salmon out of that pool, but of course Bill advised her to fish there. Years later, after I'd been away earning a living, I returned to the Lomond River, to me one of the loveliest in the entire world. About 70 miles north of Cornerbrook, it lies in a deep wooded valley surrounded by overhanging cliffs. It's only five miles from head to mouth, but five miles of endless variety. The swift sparkle over green and red pebbles, hurtling white foam over a 20-foot falls, the widening and deepening to the blackest depth at dynamite pool, and the placid rippling in the long steady. Altogether, a most satisfying river. The night I arrived it was dark. I awoke at daybreak to see a robin perched on a tree by the open cabin door, singing with sheer delirium, and a woodpecker hammering in rhythm. In five minutes I was on the trail. Mist covered the hilltops, but small patches of blue came through with the promise of a fair day. THE RIVER SPLASHED ALONG WITH THIS HIGH, THIN SOUND, RISING IN VOLUME AS I APPROACHED THROUGH THE TUNNEL OF EVERGREENS, WHERE THE SMELL FROM YESTERDAY'S HEAT LINGERED. I WAS GOING DOWN TO THE POOL BELOW THE FALLS, WHERE, IF YOU'RE LUCKY, YOU CAN SEE A SALMON LEAP HIGH AND HURL HIMSELF UP THE FALLS INTO THE SILK, SMOOTH WATER ABOVE. THIS WAS THE POOL, long rocky and turbulent, where the salmon lay, waiting for the proper water conditions to leap the falls, and where one could always fish, with plenty of elbow room. I hurried along the overgrown trail, crisscrossed with rotting windfalls to snare your feet, and spider-webs to trail over your face, and always in your ear the purling water of the hidden stream.' Then suddenly the trail breaks out on the bank, and there you are, on the steady, where the river widens imperceptibly and flows shallow over shining pebbles. Trees on either bank overhang, and you have to be careful not to cast a shadow on the water, nor to catch your hook in a backcast. It was almost with awe that I looked up and down that stretch of water, as if I was looking for a sign from the place that had stood for peace and solace and continuity.' I scooped up a bit of colour floating by and held in my hand the red gleaming bud of a juniper with a crown of green needles, and as I lifted a small dry fly out of its box and tied it to my leader, I heard a bittern honk. Then a fish splashed, and with a tremendous sound in the silence, and I turned around to see the ripples he left behind. I cast out against the gin-clear water and I put the line out clean, with a little return loop at the end, before the fly snapped and dropped silently into the stream. I let the fly float, retrieved it, and moved a step over and over for an hour or more. Nothing but the silky, soft murmur of the river passed my boots and the snap of the line. The sun climbed higher, the shadows of the clouds moved across the water, robins as big as hawks flew overhead, and sparrows big as robins perched in the trees. A beaver swam across the stream not ten feet from me and a woodpecker hammered out a fast military tattoo on a hollow fir tree. A fisherman appeared on the river bank and I moved along to give him a stretch to cast over as we exchanged experiences of the day. And then we saw how high was the sun and how clear the water so we reeled in our lines knowing that even the stupidest salmon would not now be fooled into thinking our flies were real. So, sun-soaked, muscles aching and hungry, we said to each other, "'Better luck tomorrow.' I have put this down about the morning on the river, not because it was so exciting, because it is so characteristic of mornings on Newfoundland rivers, full of flavour, colour, and for me, the sounds of home.' That was me, Anthony Berger, reading a story by the late El Emanuel from the podcast series Down to Sally's Cove. This was recorded in the studios of VOBB, the Voice of Bombay, community radio in the heart of Grossmore National Park in western Newfoundland. Recording engineer and sound editor was Gary Wilton. Background music from Coffee in the Cove, written and played by David Berger. Together with a biography of my mother, these and other stories are available in book form entitled No Place for a Woman, The Life and Newfoundland Stories of Ella Emanuel, published in 2020 by Breakwater Books, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Thanks for listening.